0: Today's reading is from Genesis 22, 1 through 14. Genesis 22, 1 through 14. After these things, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the woods of the burnt offering and set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it to, on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac said to his father Abraham, Father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamp for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering my son. So the two of them walked on together. When they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horn. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Well, it's almost afternoon, so I guess this is an even better story than the first service at 8.15, uh, because 8.15 in the morning talking about child sacrifices, uh, doesn't really go well. <laughs> but, uh, nonetheless, the last week we began a new sermon series entitled Imperfect. And Pastor Emily kicked it off and she talked about Jacob and Esau. And its premise is about the pictures that we post on social media, right? We always want to try to claim that everything is perfect from, uh, dishes that That are done to clean immaculate kitchens, to to amazing food that we post on Facebook. Uh, Even on Zoom, if we have Zoom meetings, we blur out our background because we don't want people to see the junk that we have in our basement. I know I do that, so I'm just going to be honest with you. And even uh, in our family photo albums, we try to include the most perfect picture all in order to convey the story that we want to convey That life is perfect, isn't it? No. Life is often imperfect and life is often a mess. And it's okay. Because God is in the mess and God is in the perfections with us. Amen? Amen? We would often rather share that end result rather than sharing the journey it took to get there. Because the journeys are often messy often valleys, often low points, often imperfect. Today we hear of Abraham and his son Isaac, and they're on top of a mountaintop. And Abraham, as you know, is a pillar of faith, not a pillar of salt like his cousin's wife, uh, but a pillar in the faith, even an imperfect pillar. And yet God still uses him. God still uses him for the advancement of the kingdom and even his situations. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks that you have come into our presence, and we pray that Holy Spirit engulf our hearts like a burnt offering, a burnt sacrifice, so that we may continue to burn brightly for you in every situation. God, may we hear your voice this morning, calling us, beckoning us, nudging us, poking and prodding us, to continue to follow you in all the ways that you call us. So God, may the words in my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts together be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. God, you are our rock and our redeemer. And all of God's people said, Amen. A couple weeks ago, I was video calling uh, with my grandmother, but uh, I want to tell you how it got started. My phone started going off, and it said my grandmother's name on it, and it said Facebook video call. Listen, my grandmother has no idea how to call people on Facebook, or so I thought. So I ignored it, right? And then I called her up on the actual telephone and I said, Grandma, are you trying to call me? And she said, yeah, why did you ignore my phone call, my video phone call on Facebook? I just learned how to do it. Sorry. And she said, well, let's try again. And so I did. Uh, I answered the the phone call, the video phone call on Facebook this time. And uh, wouldn't you know it, her camera was not facing her. Instead, it was facing her sink full of dirty dishes. Grandma, I'm sorry. She's probably watching right now. She's probably like, oh, Jeffrey's going to tell us. Oh, it's about me, right? Um, she's showing this uh, video around her, and the video is focused on her kitchen sink that's full of dirty dishes and mixing bowls that are full of uh, junk, and uh, it's just everywhere. Her kitchen is a mess, and I'm seeing it all, and when I tell her, I'm looking at your kitchen sink, I want to see you, and she says, oh, shoot, and she presses the button, and the camera turns around, and where is she at? She's still in her kitchen, but now the camera's focused on her and she's holding this pan of freshly made chocolate chip cookies. Grandmas know how to make you miss home, right? Freshly baked chocolate chip cookies. And she said, Jeffrey, I am sending you some of these cookies. I'm still waiting. (laughs) Just, Just saying. It's been a couple of weeks. But what I didn't... Tell her, and what I didn't share with her was that I saw behind her this pan that was burnt to a crisp, these burnt cookies. And I didn't want to tell her, but I saw it. So I wanted to ask her hey, what happened? And so I did. I finally did. After a couple of minutes of talking, I finally asked her, what's up with those burnt cookies? And she said, don't worry about those, Jeffrey. I'm not sending those to you. I'm sending the good ones to you. I I think I burnt them a little bit because I must have lost track of time or I, I forgot about an ingredient that I needed to include. But nonetheless, she said, I'm sending you the perfect ones. I'm sending you the good chocolate chip cookies. Again, still waiting for them. They haven't come yet. As I waited for my grandmother's cookies to arrive, and again, still waiting, I thought about this sermon, too. Abraham has been waiting for God to provide on these promises that he had made uh, when Abraham was 75 years old, and he's been waiting and waiting and waiting, and I haven't aged uh, yet a couple of weeks, but still... I've been waiting. I also thought about how I ignored that first phone call from my grandma, but that's a different sermon, right? And then I thought about even more how we like to show off the perfection, how we like to show off the end result rather than the journey that it takes to get there. Because the journey is often messy, often imperfect, often filled with valleys and low points in our lives. Sometimes life can be messy, like a kitchen sink full of dirty dishes. But friends, it's not the messes and the imperfections that define our lives. It's God. God defines our lives, and God takes those messes and those imperfections and redeems them and makes them whole and makes them something beautiful and perfects them all by God's grace. Amen? Amen. Pastor Emily lifted up last week that story of Jacob and Esau. And today we jump back a generation, a generation of Abraham and Isaac, which is Jacob and Esau's grandfather and father. Imperfections and messes seem to be a constant in their family tree. But yet God still uses them. Abraham and Isaac, Jacob and Esau, you and me are imperfections and all. As Gail read this morning in our scripture passage, it ends by saying Abraham was naming the land in which he was at, Mount Moriah, and he was naming it the Lord provided. It was the mountaintop where he had encountered God, a mountaintop where Abraham had found out that God was providing a ram in the thicket that he could sacrifice instead of sacrificing his son Isaac. Mountaintops are pretty important places all throughout Scripture, from this mountaintop, Mount, Horeb, Mount Moriah, to Mount Horeb, where Elijah hears God in the gentle whisper of the wind, to Mount Sinai, where, where Moses receives the Ten Commandments from God, to the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus is shown and made a dazzling white color to another mountain, Mount Calvary, where Jesus is crucified. Mountains are pretty important. Mountains are where we meet God, where scripture says we come into the presence of the Almighty. If we're honest, we would rather focus on those mountaintop experiences where God meets us and where God cares for us and where God protects us rather than the low points and the journey it takes to get there. Because in those low points and those valleys, our faith is tried and tested. And we would often not talk about, we would like to often not talk about that. The story of Abraham is no different. He is tried. He is tested from Genesis 12 to Genesis 22, where we are today. Abraham meets God many and multiple times, God says to Abraham, I will bless you and I will protect you and I will provide for you. I will make you a great nation, bring forth from you a great nation. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. God says this to Abraham. And so Abraham is 75 at this time and he goes home and he gets his wife, Sarah, and they set out on this journey. From Genesis 12 to Genesis 22, there were some challenging years for Abraham and Sarah. Right after his call, there was a famine that went through the land. And in order to flee from this famine, he went to Egypt. Abraham and Sarah went to Egypt. And if you go to another country when there is famine in your land, because they think that you're trying to steal their food, you will be killed. And so Abraham knows this, even though he goes to Egypt with his wife Sarah. He says, hey babe, Listen, uh, say that you're my sister. Hey babe, what say that you 're my sister? Use your beauty, say that you are my sister, so he would not be persecuted so that he would not be killed, and so Sarah does Sarah passes herself off as his sister, and Abraham essentially sells her it 's a different culture than it is today in exchange. Pharaoh gives Abraham camels and oxen and donkey and slaves and, and the whole mess of what is going on, Abraham still receives this gift from Pharaoh in. Exchange, in exchange for his sister, again, his wife, Sarah. Abraham reply, relies more on his quick wit and ingenuity rather than on the promises of God. Following this, more time passes. Abraham meets God in a vision. Abraham, remember that I am with you always. Remember that I provide for you and protect you. Remember that I will watch out for you. Remember that I will bring forth from you a great nation. Remember Abraham. And then God concludes this vision by lifting him up, taking him out into the outside and showing him the heavens and saying, look at the stars in the sky. And I love this part. Try to count them if you would. Look at the stars in the sky. That's how many descendants you will have. Well, more waiting, just like me waiting on those chocolate chip cookies. Abraham waited more and more and more, and years had passed. God had continued to remind him and to remind Sarah that they will provide, that they will be protected, that they will be a ancestry, a generation of great generations that are to come. But Abraham was getting older, and so was Sarah. Abraham was 86, Sarah was 77, still no offspring, so Sarah decided to take it into her own hands. Never gets good in that regard when we decide to take into our own hands. Sarah told Abraham, go and conceive a child because I need an heir. I want an heir. I want an offspring. Go and conceive a child with my slave Hagar. And so he does. And they conceive and they have a child named Ishmael. You can read more about it in Genesis 16. After Ishmael was born, Sarah said that Hagar gave him this look. He gave her this look. She wasn't having it. So she sent Hagar and Ishmael away, but they would return. At every turn in our story, it would seem that Abraham received a reminder from God, I will protect you, I will provide for you, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. A great nation will come from you. And at every turn, Abraham had deviated from the plan. Rather than waiting and leaving it alone, waiting for God to fulfill as God said God would, Abraham deviates from the plan and listens to others, those who are around him. And it's a mess. It's imperfect. Once more, God calls Abraham at the ripe age of 99 years old. It had been 14 years since God and initially called Abraham. He tells him again, I will make you a great nation. I will bring forth from you a great nation, a descendants of great nations. I will bless you and I will curse those who curse you. I will make your generations full of kings and sons and daughters. They will be my God. I will be their God and they will be my people. And finally, at a 100 years old, Abraham had been waiting for 25 years and finally a long-awaited fulfillment to the promise from God. In the next year, Abraham and Sarah conceived in their old age, and they bore a son and named him Isaac. Abraham's old. Just point it out there. Abraham's old. Ishmael, his first son, was sent away, and this long-awaited promised son, this promised offspring that Abraham was going to have with Sarah, had now been fulfilled, but now what? We have this scripture passage for this morning from Genesis 22 and little Isaac is a young boy. Abraham is what? Young or old? Old. He's old. You got it. God calls out to Abraham, Abraham, to which Abraham replies, here I am. Then God says, go out and take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, to the land of Moriah and offer him up as a burnt sacrifice on the mountain that I will show you. Can you imagine the pain that was going through Abraham's heart? God had provided not one son, but two to a 90-year-old something man. And then he was told to let the other one go, and then the second one let him go as well. And in fact, with the second one, to take his life with his own hand. And yet Abraham goes. Early the next morning, as the scripture says, he he saddled his donkey, he gathers the wood for the fire, and they set out to Mount Moriah, set out to the place where God will show him. And Abraham and Isaac leave the others that had went with them, and then they continue to press on with the wood and the knife in hand. They go up to the mountain to worship, and on their way, along the way, Isaac says to his father Abraham, here I am and we have the wood, and we have the fire, but dad, where is the offering? Kind of inquisitive for a a youngster, right? God will see to it, Abraham says. But there on the mountain, Abraham built an altar and laid the wood and took the fire and bound up Isaac. He was getting ready to take his life when The messenger of the Lord shouted out to Abraham, 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 do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything from him. For now I know that you fear God. And as Abraham looked up, he saw a ram that was there caught in the thicket. The Lord had provided. And Abraham killed the ram and offered it up on the fire instead of his son. In the story, Abraham is commanded by God and Abraham obeys Without receiving an explanation, without receiving or giving an argument, the text says, take your son, your only son, whom you love. In other words, take your future, take your life, surrender it all, surrender all of the control of your life and all of the hope that you have for yourself and for your family and give it all back to God. Maybe faith is about unquestioning obedience. But over the years, theologians have spoken about Abraham not only as a great pillar and man of faith, but also as maybe one of the first disciples. You see, for every disciple that Jesus called, he said, follow me. And what did they do? They followed him in return. They left everything behind them, their lives, their nets, their fishing gear, everything behind them, and they followed forth. Follow me. Obedience. They were willing to follow no matter what it cost no matter what they would encounter next. In every affirmative answer of follow me, even the pillars of the faith and even disciples, you and I, we leave behind our lives, our imperfections, to follow God who will continue to bring redemption, continue to bring perfection out of our own brokenness. And that's good news. Amen? Amen. What Abraham discovered was that even if he tried to follow God, even though he was imperfect, step by step, he was called to obey God, to place himself at God's disposal, that God would provide for him no matter what he needed to be faithful. All in order to stay in perfect relationship with God. God would provide. God would make a way when there was no way for Abraham. God is calling us to to the thicket. Not to just stay there and to stay complacent, but to go through the thicket, through the valleys, through the low low moments, through the darkness, through it all, and that God will provide what we need to get through it all. Amen? My friends, the same faith that we need in the valleys and at the low points of life is the same faith that we need at the mountaintops. Faith isn't about size or quantity, bigger, better, stronger. Faith is about listening and handing over complete control to God no matter what. Faith is about being patient, patiently waiting for God to come into our midst, even when it feels like the days have drugged on time and time again, and we might feel that God has forgotten about us. We want things done in a certain manner, in a certain way, And yet when God doesn't do it in our way, we get frustrated, right? Do you want things done in a certain way or at a certain time? And yet when God doesn't show up in the way that we think, in the way that we perceive, we get upset and we maybe like Abraham start to do it on our own. But yet it'll still be imperfect. It'll still be messy. It'll still be flawed. We want an instantaneous result, but faith isn't about that. Faith isn't about holding on. It's about holding on to God even through the messiest, even through the darkest, even through the most imperfect moments of life. When I was talking to my grandmother a couple weeks ago, and again, still waiting on those chocolate chip cookies, she reminded me of a story about my great grandfather. It was in the late 1800s, and uh, they lived on a farm in the northern part of Ohio. And for every winter, he would go out with his dad or with his uncle or with some other family member, and they would tie a rope from the back of their house to the barn. And they would go forth, back and forth, back and forth. And they did this because it was very much going to have a... It was, it was likely that there was going to be a blizzard. Whiteout conditions every year, you know, by Lake Erie, why not? So every year they would tie the rope from the house to the barn, back and forth, back and forth, because they needed to go to the barn to milk the chi- milk, milk the chickens, right? Milk the cows and feed the chickens. And so they would go back and forth, back and forth. And sometimes when they would go back and forth, if they deviated from the plan, they would get lost. And there was a story about how a farmer nearby had deviated from the line, had let go of that rope, and had unfortunately frozen to death. So they continued to draw the line and have the line connected back and forth so that they could have a lifeline, so that they could have a stronghold, so that they could stay connected even as they went out and even as they went to serve and went to feed the chickens and milk the cows. When they deviated from the line, that's where things got messy. When they got off the rope, that's where things were imperfect even more. My friends, this day and every day, God is calling us to stay attached to that line, to stay attached to the rope, to hold on to it, to cling to it, no matter if it's the darkest moments, no matter if it's the messiest moments, no matter if it's the most imperfect moments of life. God wants us to hold on to that rope, to have our faith tested and tempted and tried. We need that rope, amen? God will lead us through it and through it all.
0: Thanks be to God.